Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Out to Be podcast. It is your host, Katie Zaccardi. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest. Chris from Making It With Chris G is on the podcast today to talk all about creating your customer or fan journey using digital marketing. Chris has booked and produced over 2,500 concerts independently and worked for the world's two biggest concert promoters, Live Nation and AEG Presents. He has worked as an artist manager since 2006, and he was mentored by Randy Deese, who has managed artists such as Paramore, Creed, uh, Seven Dust, and so many more. So as you can tell, throughout his career, he's produced so many concerts. He's been involved in so much stuff. And uh, if there's anything he can talk about, it's definitely digital marketing. So I'm really excited to dive into today's episode with Chris. Before we do, I want to mention that this is the last day to grab the Audience Builder Bundle for $100 off, bringing the price to just $197, which is such an insane deal. I almost said $297 because I forgot that the price was so low (laughs) because there's so much value in this bundle. So this bundle is for you if you are feeling like you're feeling really stuck on socials, like you are not really attracting the super fans who are super engaged with your content and who want to actually show up and support your gigs, your releases, and your offers. If you feel like you are showing up everywhere, but you're not actually making an impact and you're finding it hard to keep up with all of the new social media platforms, and you're not really sure where you should be spending your time, this is for you. If you're not sure what to post or how to create good content or what to say to actually get your audience to engage with you or take action, then this is for you. If you're feeling like your fans, again, are not engaged, if they don't answer your story polls, your question boxes, if you don't have people even watching your stories or listening to your YouTube videos or podcasts, this is for you. And if you feel like you are lacking confidence when it comes to showing up on social media and you feel this perfectionism or pressure to show up as an ideal image uh, and you just feel like it's super hard when no one's even listening, this is for you. It's really easy to sit there and think that social media is too saturated, that the algorithm is too hard to crack, that nobody wants to hear what you have to say, but it is time to let go of these excuses. It is time for social media to work for you, not against you, and it is time to grab the Audience Builder Bundle to help you solve all of these problems and be able to have a social media presence and a fan base and an audience base that really gets you, that feels aligned and authentic to who you are and what you do, and that ultimately turns into paying fans or paying clients. So you can grab the Audience Builder Bundle by heading to katiezaccardi.com slash audiencebuilderbundle. The link is also in the show notes. There is no code needed. The code will already be applied at checkout. So all you need to do is head to that page, click on purchase. You can read through the information if you want some more info. And when you click to purchase, the $100 discount will already be applied so that you can get this bundle at a massive discount immediately and start to dive in. This is for people who are ready to dramatically change their social media presence and the results that they get using social media. So if that's not you, don't bother wasting your money. But if you're ready to actually implement and get change, this bundle will help you do that immediately. So go grab it at katiezaccardi.com slash audience builder bundle. Let me know when you do. And without any further ado, let's go ahead and head into today's episode with Chris. Hey, Chris, and welcome to the L2B podcast. 
Hey, how's it going? How are you? Excited to be here. I am doing well. I'm super excited to dive in today. And we're going to talk all about customer journeys and digital marketing, which is such a good fit for what we've been talking about on the podcast in the last couple months. Before we get to the juicy stuff, though, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So currently um, I'm an artist manager and I'm also a professor at a couple of universities where I teach music business and production management, uh, entertainment business, artist management, things like that. And my background is mostly in the concert promoter world. I've used to work for Live Nation, AEG Presents. uh, And then I've also managed a couple artists in between. I have a mentor. His name is Randy Dees. He managed some pretty big acts. Um, and he's taught me like the ropes of, of artist management. It's really cool that you've had the experience in like every kind of different aspect of artist management. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, what do you feel like is one or two important things for artists to know f- from your experience as an artist manager when it comes to marketing themselves or and potentially growing a team as well, especially in like the last year or now going into 2021? The most important things to me is being a consistent content creator. So if an artist comes to me for, for artist management, I, I kind of steal the the Rick Barker quote is if you're want to be famous, I'm not your guy. But if you want to build a real business and be able to make a living without the need of a label or an agency, man, big management company, then I can help you out. And I like artists that love to focus on content, uh, consistent recurring content, whether that's a podcast, a YouTube channel, whatever it is, whatever speaks most authentically to them and doesn't feel daunting to them. And then the other big piece is um, engagement on social media, learning how to engage with complete total strangers and brands on social media. So those are the two things. Um, if I only get, if I only gave you two, that I'll focus on before spending money. That's the kind of stuff that doesn't really cost a lot of money that most artists can do for free. Yes, and that's such a good point because I think that uh, I was talking about this with Isabella Bedoya when she was on my podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. a couple weeks I, ago. I just had her yesterday. Yeah, she's awesome. And but we were actually Amazing. talking about how she was saying a lot of people uh, waste their money. Basically, they dive into paid advertising yeah. way too fast, and then they don't have the foundation set up, so they end up wasting money. She said she knew someone who was wasting $20,000 a month. And I was like, oh my God, that, oh, that hurts me. <laughs> I, if I only had that kind of budget to work with. Man, I know, right? Things that I'm we could do. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like flushing it down the toilet though, because you're not actually really confident in your uh, strategy that you have in the first place. So mm-hmm. uh, that's just wild. But it does lead us into the great place to start, which is with finding the right audience. Because if you're going to do grassroots marketing, and, he, and then of course, if you're going to graduate to paid marketing, you have to know who you're talking to. So mm-hmm. how do we go about figuring out the right ideal audience, ideal fans? And I'll mention as well that a lot of people who listen to this podcast are artists, and or coaches and or music teachers and they have a very multifaceted business so whether it's ideal clients or ideal fans how do we find them there's a few different ways that you could do it and and it's not your your uh, followers and their friends. <laughs> so when you hit that boost button on on Facebook or boost uh, or Instagram, that's who you're targeting. It's your followers and and their friends, right? So that's the wrong audience. And a lot of times, it's also when you're first starting out. Like if you have like a thousand, two thousand followers, or even less than that, people will start looking at their analytics and they are trying to figure out who their ideal fans are. And your analytics probably starting out are the wrong analytics because it's mostly your friends and family. So. The way you want to know your audience, the example I always use is if your ideal fan walks into a mall, which store do they have to go to first? Is it Urban Outfitters? Is it H&M? Then after they go to the store, they have to go first. What are they going there to shop? And 
are they going to, to get graphic tees? Are they looking for dresses? Like, what are they looking for in that store? And then once they go towards the checkout counter, you know, most stores always have those impulse buys. Are they going after any of these impulse buys? And which ones are they going after? Then when they leave the store, they have to go to first. Where else in the mall will they go, right? And then when it's time to, to eat a snack, when they go to the food court, where are they eating in the food court? Um, yeah. Or they stop to get coffee at Starbucks in the mall. And then while they're in the mall, while they're on their phone, what apps are they on? Are they on social media? Are they reading the news? Are they listening to a podcast? Are they listening to music? Like, what are their behaviors in the mall? And that's how deep and intimately you want to know your ideal fan. These are kind of hard questions because I'm thinking through <laughs> as you're saying it. I'm like, I don't even know if I could answer it for my ideal audience without really taking time to sit down and think about it. But I think that's good because it gets you so specific mm -hmm. that you're 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 forced to really sit down and say, what is that ideal person like? Are they exactly like me? You know, what mm -hmm. are my habits when I go into the mall? Are they a little bit different? And that's really, really interesting to think about. So once we do that in a mall setting, we mm -hmm. envision their habits, where they might be or what they're listening to. How do we translate that to finding them online? So the easy way to do it is through digital marketing. But whenever you don't use, like spend money or spend, yeah, spend money on marketing, you have to kind of do it the organic routes, right? So the organic route, which is, is an assignment that makes students do sometimes and they, it drives them nuts because it's so time consuming, but, and it's slightly like stalkerish, but if you find a list of your, so we, we do this exercise called artist ID and the artist ID, you create a list of artists in different categories and you have your A-list artists. So these are your big artists that will play arenas, stadiums, big amphitheaters. Then you have your um, emerging artists. These are artists that are up and coming. They are maybe playing 2,000 to 5,000 capacity rooms, or they're playing the cool club in town that's like under 1,000 capacity, but it's a sold-out show in well in advance. Uh, you have your legacy artists. These are artists that have been around for a really long time. Most people will recognize their names. They maybe have been in the A-list before or maybe never quite reached the A-list, like Alice Cooper would be an example. Used to be a giant A-list star in the 70s and 80s. Now he's kind of that legacy act that plays 1,500 to 2,500 capacity rooms. Um, you also like KRS-One in, in the hip hop world would be a, a legacy act. Then you have your baby bands. These are artists that are just signed by a label agency, maybe a big management company. And these are artists that are kind of playing the smaller rooms, right? And they're playing like the 200 to 400 cap rooms, maybe selling 100 tickets, maybe selling a little less, a little more, depending on the market. And then you have your local and regional bands. These are unsigned, completely independent. They're only playing in your region. So I like starting there, making a list of as many artists in each category as possible. And this, this gives you a few things. One, you can look at their fans, right? So there's the stalkerish thing that comes, that happens. You look at their fans, not the ones that are following the page, but the ones that are commenting or sharing, because those yeah. are the better quality fans. And look at their pages and look at what they're into. And that's kind of how you can start finding those, those behaviors. And there's many other benefits to the artist ID, but before I ramble too much. <laughs> no, that's so good though. I, I think it's so right. Hilarious how you say it's stalking because I say the same thing to my clients where I'm like, we're going to creep a little bit. We're going to like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's really not, it's not like you're infringing on anyone's privacy, but you're really just seeing like, okay, here are the engaged followers on this artist's page and they're liking, commenting, you know, resharing, whatever it is. You're, you know, those people are super fans and they're on Instagram, like they're active on the platform. And so then you can go and start to engage with them and start to see where they're hanging out, whether it's Facebook groups or, you know, in person in places, local places near you, stuff like that. And it's especially useful now because, you know, nobody's playing live. So it's not like you right. can 
well, a lot of people aren't. It's starting up again a little bit, but you can't really just like go and pop into shows and make friends with fans or anything right. like that. You really have to do it all online anyway, and this is such a quick and easy way to do it um, to start figuring out like where your fans are. And then, so what do you recommend next? Just really like engaging them and starting to uh, get them to follow you? Yeah, so a couple of things. So first of all, like, you mentioned um, looking at your, yourself earlier, right? Like, are you yourself? What do you do? You look like your ideal fan, and you do too, because that's important. Because at the end of the day, it's important to be authentic. And once you start creating content, if you become a content creator and you know, consistent, creating consistent recurring content, what are you going to create content about? Is it consistent music? Or are you doing a, a podcast about mental health? Or are you doing guitar lessons? Or are you doing? Uh, are you a producer that shows how to do things? Um, online? Or are you more of a political person? Or are you like a political activist? Um, so what is it that you are, right? So like, I always talk about either the topic wheel, or I call them, I like using um, personality buckets. So what are you doing on an average week? Like, what are all the activities you're doing? So The Rock is a great example of that. If you go through down his Instagram channel, it's pretty much fitness, uh, entrepreneurship, tequila, wrestling, right? You can almost like t tell what his personality buckets are his, or his topic will it be. For me, it might be also, also wrestling, um, maybe uh, mental health, talking about Tourette syndrome, mm -hmm. things like that. So it's like, what is authentically you? And then create content around that. And that'll help you find your audience too, because people want to connect to a real person, not yeah. just hear songs all the time. So that's where I would start next. And then when it comes to those artists, when you're engaging with their fans, one, when artists on your artist ID list post, uh, comment on their post, right? Have a, a genuine comment, not just emojis, like something that'll spark conversation. Cause that's what these social media platforms love. They prefer conversation. So if I right. leave a comment on your post and then someone replies to my comment to you, instead of like replying on your post and now we start a conversation and others right. jump in, that's the kind of content as well. So leave a comment and then engage with people in comments. Gary Vee always talks about uh, always creeping into comments. He doesn't really care too much of what the, the post is. He just looks at what people are saying and engage, engage with those people. Yeah, I like to call it brand pillars and personal connection points. Exactly what you were talking about. And those people who are regular listeners to the podcast know that I did actually some posts on this on Instagram a couple weeks ago. So you can definitely go check those out. But exactly you have to know what you're saying you have to know what your topics yeah. are and and otherwise you're just going to be rambling and posting on random right. things and there's going to be no cohesive message right. so you're not going to be able to attract people because people aren't going to know what they get or what to expect when they come to your page so yep, exactly. really really important point okay so as we move on through the customer journey obviously the goal is to get them to become a warm audience and then really like mm -hmm hot leads to eventually turn into paying fans or customers or clients or whatever it is. Uh, regardless of what your offer is, you know, whether it's a Patreon, a coaching program, you want to take people through, some people call it a funnel. Uh, I like your customer journey word because journey. funnels seem a little bit more like, okay, and then they go here and then they go, th it's just a little bit more mechanic and it feels right. less natural. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they got a bad rep, but the reality is you still want to move people. You want to be warming mm -hmm. them up and guiding them to eventually go to pay you and to get exactly. further into your community, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to hear about what the next steps are. And I also want to hear about how we can do this in a way that maybe includes organic marketing. So maybe it's totally unpaid. And then mm -hmm. if we also do want to put money into it, how we can do it with, some paid marketing and ads and stuff like that. 
Sure, yeah. Um, it's a lot to unpack there, but so I, I like the yeah, whole. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it in pieces. <laughs> I, I like the whole like uh, customer journey. It was essentially it is a funnel, but just drawn more in like a cyclical uh, thing. Because yeah. when someone reaches the end stage, like the advocacy super fan stage, they're gonna refer people, and they're when they're referring people, they basically start back in the beginning of the the cycle, right? So the cycle, hopefully, if you're doing a good job and you have a good structure, it continues going around over and over and over again. But the next step, so. The, the content, the uh, initial digital marketing, um, and I guess if, if we're talking about paid stuff too, if you were to do, so the content we talked about and the engagement, that's kind of the top of a funnel or beginning step, right? Um, it's the awareness stage. You're making people aware you exist. Yeah. You are kind of, kind of educating them a little bit like by consistently engaging with them or having consistent content. And in, if you're doing the paid route, so kind of jumping back a little bit actually to the awareness stage. If you're doing this exact same thing, but through a paid version, I love video views campaigns okay. on social media. And basically what you're doing, there's no call to action, not click a link, not anything. All I want is people to watch the video. That's it. So there's not even a link to artist profile or anything. It's literally just the video. I want the post to look as organic as possible. And then the, the caption is what's called like a pattern interrupt. So kind of figure out a way to utilize the caption with either like capitalizing words using dot, dot like uh, was it ellipses, like the dots um, or yeah. emojis to make it look a little bit different from any other caption that you would normally see and uh, almost make the caption kind of like a story, something that's a continuation where people want to say, okay, what's next? Um, so the video, the first video, the goal is to get those 75% views and we get as many of those 75% views as possible on your first video, on your awareness video. So as and if once, people are watching 75% of the video. Yeah, so if it's a minute long, they're watching at least 45 seconds of the video versus like two Got minutes. It. So, and you can look all those metrics up on on Facebook and you know Facebook has, the, is the app platform for Facebook and Instagram. Right. Same thing on YouTube, TikTok, and things like that. Just it's a little more expensive to go on YouTube, even though it's a powerful platform, but it costs way more. And that's why I think people focus on on Facebook. But yeah. once you hit a thousand seventy five percent views on on Facebook, Instagram, you can now create a custom audience that's just those thousand people. And ideally, that ad always stays on, right? So that number gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So eventually, it'll be thousands of people have watched seventy five percent, and then you retarget those people with another video. And that's the education phase. Um, so that's how you would do it the paid way, right? And so the education phase, you show them some people are super aggressive and they try to go for the call to action immediately. Some people will do as upwards to three or four videos where they just keep showing retargeting, retargeting, right? So the second video, you try to get a thousand seventy five percent views. Then retarget those people. You showed them another video trying to get those thousand seventy five percent views. And by the third time, they're they should be like really warm and hot to get on on a list, uh, which we like the next step. But um, the organic way to do that is constant engagement so i love on twitter doing the list building thing so on twitter you can build your own list they can add i could add you on a list i could put you on a list that's like music business coaches right right so on my twitter i have a list that is for for tourette syndrome i have a list for music industry influencers people have been on the podcast um all kinds of lists and i just go instead of going through my timeline on twitter i just go to lists and i start there every time i go on and engage with those people first um and that's kind of like my strategy. You know, through content, the way you would do it, do it organically is being consistent, uh, bringing on either guests if you're doing an interview style um, content or bring in collaborators sometimes. And 
I like doing a series sometimes that's like focused a little bit maybe on a specific topic. So I would do like a New Orleans series. The next four guests on the podcast are all about New Orleans or the next four guests on the podcast are all about record labels. So if someone sees the, the first video and they're interested about record labels, now they're going to hopefully watch the other three because they're all record label related. And that's how you kind of branch out a little bit into a different audience. And always just making sure you have the call to actions on your podcast, on your content. So when you're doing organic marketing, we we kind of know it's the long game. Like point blank, it's long game. You're going to yeah. just be staying consistent, putting out free content. But when you are doing paid marketing, it is also a long game, but at the same time, to me, it feels a little bit more shorter because you have to pick like one video to start with. You're not right. just posting a bunch of things and then like building up the trust there. You're you're putting out your best piece that you're yeah. hoping is going to hit people. So for that like very first video campaign that we're doing, what type of post should that be? Should it be like an introduction to you? Should it be a really good educational piece? Uh, like, you know, obviously it's going to relate to the specific person's brand and what they sure. teach or sing on, but like what kind of type of content should we focus on? So if it's in the music space, like if it's music for musicians, I would do a, a video, ideally a live video, and ideally something that feels very like organic and natural and in a, like a most ideal scenario, right? Something you could almost encounter, like the average person can encounter in, in real life. Like maybe they're walking the subway and there's someone playing in the subway, or I saw this guy, he's a, an Uber driver and he freestyles um, for, for his clients on, on his, um, during the Uber rides. Oh, wow. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. So, or uh, something just like a natural setting, maybe like in, so if you're in Orlando, for example, I live in Orlando, uh, maybe if it's like a recognizable place in Orlando or whatever city you're in, if there's some kind of recognizable place that you might walk past, those are the most ideal. Um, if you, for some reason, can't do that because of, um, I don't know, technology resources because you don't have just good audio or, or good video quality for doing outdoor stuff. Like in the bedroom stuff works too. Um, and ideally you're showcasing maybe a minute of something like that's like your best, um, I guess, where you're either like hitting your vocal range really, really well, or yeah. there's a crazy guitar solo, a crazy drum solo, something that will like really grab someone's attention that's just very different. Where almost where people are like, like, want to share the videos is it's a video that's going to go viral like oh my god you have to see this this is so cool um so that's kind of what we want to show you your first piece you think covers or originals tend to work better with this uh either way uh i've done it with both originals and covers and they okay. both work really well um i know there's i for some reason i'm attracting a lot of people in the, in the hip-hop space even though i've i started in the in the rock and, and singer songwriter world um but I have a rapper. She does like freestyles uh, all the time and it's, it's other tracks. So the track is not an original track, but then she freestyles on top of it and has a really like just cool vibe, a cool look, a very like kind of smoky voice. It's a little different. Um, and, and that just, that video just does really, really well. Um, you know, I, I look at, so when you look at those 75% views, I look at how much you're spending per 75% view and on average, so this is how, you know, you're running a, a good campaign on average between 15 and 22 cents per uh, 75 percent view that i've that i've seen i'm sure as people have, be have done better but uh on on her videos it's eight cents per 75 percent view uh which is really really good so if you're for some reason not converting well on a 75 percent view so let's say it's 30 cents 40 cents is like a really high number anything more than 25 cents i would go back and figure out a different strategy or a different video to use and that's kind of how you know okay this is not working okay that's good to know i stink at Facebook ads. Like I just don't have the patience for it. <laughs> <laughs> I like tried running them a couple times and 
I have experienced like dealing with people who run them when I was doing some freelance marketing mm -hmm. and I just find it so difficult. Do you think that this is something that like getting started we can do by ourselves or should we right off the absolutely. bat hire out? What do you think? No, absolutely you can do it by yourself. Like okay. what, what did you do? What was your strategy? Did you go through ads manager? Like how many audiences did you create? <sighs> it was a hot mess. So <laughs> Basically, I was doing it when I was launching my course from stress to success. And I actually did follow like a training that was part of a program that I did mm -hmm. from like an ads expert. But I think he was having us create audiences by like plugging in people where it's, you know, you can like go into ads and you can say like pages like this, mm -hmm. like this is the, sure. you know people who like these hobbies, but like when you're putting in like people who like music, that's just like everyone in the world. Like it's, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's hard to get specific I found. Sure. And there were even people who I could, like other, you know, music industry people who I'm like, I could put them here and have this be, you know, people who like this page would be attracted, mm -hmm. but it wouldn't even let me do that. Sure. So I wasn't able to get niche enough with my audience, but I didn't try the strategy that you're actually talking about now where you're sort of like, you know, targeting a specific group of those thousand mm -hmm. people. And that seems like it would get more specific and therefore yeah. more accurate and therefore save you money. Yes, and the other thing I would do too, when you so it's, I guess going back to the awareness stage, right? If you're building your ads, I mean, I run, I like to have 10 different audiences in my first ad. Um, so when you go on Facebook, first go create audiences. If you go to the audience page, so go through ads manager, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, right? So anybody's listening, um, you run your Instagram ads through Facebook. Never use the boost button. Go through ads manager. So it's, I think it's business.facebook.com is the, is the site and set up a, if you're ever going to create ads for someone else, for some reason, uh, it's best to create an ad account that's specific for your page. So you can go create an ad account, right? And you want to have one ad account attached to one page. That's it. Because Facebook uses uh, artificial intelligence to figure out, um, to find more ideal customers for you, right? So if people start engaging with it, Facebook wants your ad to be successful. So they're going to try to find people that look like the, like your, your people are engaging with your ad. But if you start running ads for other artists let's say you have a hip-hop artist and then a metal artist and a singer songwriter and you're running it all through the same ads account uh you're gonna mess up the the facebook ai so that's the first thing you want to set up then you go build audiences under that ads account ad account and going back to your artist id exercise right so it's only going to work mostly for your a-list artists or, or bigger emerging artists because you have to have a certain amount of uh, followers or interest for that artist to show up on your audiences but i would do 10 different artists my goal is to get somewhere between a million and 10 million maybe no more than 15 million people per audience that i create and then if you create an audience that's maybe just not enough there's a couple hundred thousand then i group other artists in that audience and then that's one audience right so it could be a collection of four to six artists to get me in between that one to 10 million number. Uh, some artists, if you use bigger artists, will be 10 million or more. So then you can start using exclusions. So when you build these different audiences, um, let's say use Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran, just, just have to throw some big names out there. Um, in Ads Manager and audiences, you can look at how much overlap there is. So if it's, let's say there's a 40% overlap between the two, you can go back to Taylor Swift and exclude Ed Sheeran fans. And now that list is all Taylor Swift fans that don't like um, Ed Sheeran's page also. And then that's how you can start getting a little more specific with your audiences. Everyone, take notes, get your notebook out of your head already, <laughs> write this down because this is really good information, especially for those getting started. And you know, like obviously, once you get to the point where you're gonna spend money, 
you want to spend it wisely. So make sure that you're you're doing everything as, as intentionally as possible. So this is super helpful. Okay, so now that we have a warm audience, whether it's fully organic or whether we've, you know, decided to put some ads into it, and I do want to just give the disclaimer that I don't think that you have to start with ads if you're just getting started as, as an artist. I think that when you are already making enough money to sustain your living and your music career and you have extra money to invest, <laughs> that's when you should be spending ads. Would you agree with that? Or do you think- I, I completely get, agree with that. I, I come from another, like my interest is like finance and, um, uh, and investments. And it's, I would almost add to that if you're debt-free and you're able to cover your rent, you're able to cover basic needs, then spend money on ads. If you're, yeah. if you're $200 on an ad, prevents you from from eating healthy and having a healthy lifestyle then, then don't spend money on ads yet like yeah. try to make some more money and even if it's not from music yet go go work a side gig or something like that I can't yeah that money yeah sure. i agree and, and we talk about finances a lot in this podcast i know you do as well mm -hmm. but it's so important i think just to make sure people know like you don't have to use the ad strategy until you're ready to you Definitely. can do this organically however once you're at the point where you're like I'm freaking make it bank. I have money. Then it's a great opportunity to start investing back in the yeah. social media growth and, and just increasing your growth there. But exactly. you can do it organically. <laughs> Completely agree. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay. So our audience is warm. Obviously now we want to have them like take the next step and maybe join an email list or, yep. you know, Facebook group. I know you said like discord channel, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So two questions for you. Number one is, what kind of opt-ins or freebies do you recommend, especially for artists? Because I feel like for teachers or coaches, it's a little bit more straightforward. You know, you yeah. can have a free Facebook group where it's the community it e around <laughs> learning how to do this, right? Or you can have the free training. Um, like I have a free training, how to promote your music without being salesy. You can go to katiezacardi.com slash freebie to get it. I'm mm -hmm. teaching something that I teach. It's more straightforward. But for artists, I feel like it's like, I'll do a digital download, which nobody wants. So <laughs> yeah. first question is, how do we decide on a really, really strong opt-in to begin with? So, so that's where the content comes in really well, right? So you can, you can almost cheat and not make it about the music if you're a content creator. So if you're a musician and you have, for some reason, I, I talked to Isabella yesterday and we, we talked about mental health. And for some reason, that's like the example I have on my brain right I now. I always give uh, that example. So <laughs> it works well. <laughs> so you have like, so you have a mental health podcast to go along with your music, right? And then now you can give away, you can do the ebook thing as well. So give away like 10 tips or whatever for, for better mental health exercises, or you can give your uh, tips for my morning routine, like how to start your your day, you know, get it off on a good start and be a very, have a very productive day. You can do something like that. So what's my morning routine, right? Um, so you could do that. So let's say you're an artist that's putting out music all the time. You're a consistent content creator. You're posting about exercising. You're a super productive person. People know you're just like a hustler. So you can, that's, I think be something valuable. Um, I know a lot of artists still do a lot of the music stuff where they try to make it more music focused. So some will do like experiences where um, you're, maybe hosting a a live concert like through um, you know a live stream and it's a a party and you're building some kind of experience that you're getting everyone excited about um and then maybe some kind of themed experience that you're trying to create so that's another route uh i know people will sometimes will do the the free plus shipping and handling so it could be like merch um like free t-shirt or free vinyl plus shipping and handling right if you have like a bunch of extra merch laying around uh that's that's another giveaway um you could 
uh, I think Circus of Vive gives away like a, a back catalog to to demos, like unreleased music. So unreleased stuff works really well. Uh, if you have any unreleased video, anything that feels like exclusive and like special, like something that not everyone can access, um, that kind of stuff works really well. And if you are creating content about a specific topic, the course stuff works really well, like a free course or a free uh, ebook or something like that. Or maybe you have a an interview that's with somebody in the industry to give kind of behind the scenes look or while you were in the recording studio or making a music video, you have all kinds of cool little behind the scenes of how a music video is created and then come up with yeah. a piece of content you can create. That's maybe a little bit more of a documentary style, like 20 minute, 30 minute video of how the music video was created. So things like that could, could work really well. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so now that we have our opt-in created, mm -hmm. how do we go and encourage people to actually join and subscribe? Sure. So the organic way I, I would do it, and I was, it's funny, Isabel's fresh in my brain too. Um, we were talking about how would you create it organic if you're not salesy, right? So let's say you're going doing the the long like one-on-one like hand-to-hand -hand combat, trying to engage with people, and then like you're building relationships, but for some reason you feel like. I don't want to go in for the ask because then they're going to think the only reason I even started talking to them is because of the ask. Yeah. Um, so I like optimizing all my platforms first. So whatever the opt-in offer is, make sure that's very clear, right? When I go on your Twitter profile, your Instagram profile, whatever social media platform you use, it's got to be clear on your website. It's got to be clear on yeah, and all the social platforms. Make sure maybe you create some custom banners that'll help. So if we're having a conversation on social media about a certain topic, and then you go to my page, you're like, who is this person? Like, let me check them out. And then boom, right there is the offer. And then maybe a link to music that we check out the music, right? So I always say music is the last thing that matters until people hear it. And then it becomes the only thing that matters. So you lead people to music through engagement, through content, through storytelling, through branding. Um, so have it all on your pages. When you go to your website, it should pop up what your offer is. Uh, and then if you have content you're creating, make sure in the description of that content, you have a, a link to your opt-in offer and what it is, kind of sell it a little bit there. And then also if you're, let's say you're doing a podcast or YouTube video, depending what type of content it is, then mention your opt-in there, right? And the reason I said, depending what it is, if you're doing cover videos and or a music video, it, it might be a little weird if in a music video at the end, you're mentioning, oh, sign up for my opt-in. So just have it in the, in the description, but just make sure everything's optimized to let people know what your opt-in is. I love it. So basically just put it everywhere that's yeah. relevant in all of your notes, your video notes, your show notes, whatever it is, of course, in your bio and like drop it organically, which I don't know if you guys noticed, but I just dropped my freebie three minutes ago, yeah. super <laughs> organically without being like, go get it, blah, blah, blah. Like <laughs> you just drop it into conversation when it's relevant. And yeah. I think I, I love the Unisabella we're talking about, like how to do it without being salesy, because I find a lot of artists think that promoting themselves at all is salesy, mm -hmm. but there is a way to do it without being salesy. Like you can still promote your music from a place of integrity. And if somebody is straight up asking you like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just hear all of your songs or, oh my gosh, these are so great. You can say, you know, hey, well, if you love this, I actually have a, you know, free download of my whole back catalog. Let me know if you want the link. So yeah. you're not forcing anything on them. You're not saying, hey, by the way, check out this thing. And it feels really gross. Like I had an artist that I was talking to. We were actually having a really genuine conversation mm -hmm. um, about something she was struggling with on social media. And then at the end of it, she hit me with, hey, here's the link to my music if you want to share. 
I said, girl, I'm not a blog. Yeah. What are you, why are you, no, I was so disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it's not anybody's fault. I'm not saying this to shame that girl, but I'm just saying to point it out like that is not genuine. Like yeah. we were having a conversation about totally different. I didn't suggest that I wanted to listen to her music or that I share music. And, you know, the fact that her like call to action or suggestion for me was like, hey, if you want to share it, it was very much out of left field because you have to know who you're talking to, who your audience is. If you're not sure, wait it out. Wait it out and have more conversations with them. And when you feel 100% this is appropriate and this feels natural, then you can do it. And it's going to go over so much better than putting off someone when you say, you know, out of nowhere or in a wrong type of pitch. Mm -hmm. uh, That's a little too aggressive, I guess. Hey, why don't you do this? Because then it's not going to go well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's funny because, yeah, that I get so many artists that will just like send me a link to music. Hey, check out my music. And like, I don't even know who you are. And yep. if I wasn't in this space, I probably nine times out of 10 wouldn't even like reply. But since I have, you know, I'm kind of like in this, in this, I guess, teaching and artist management space, uh, I, I reply sometimes. And sometimes it creates conversation. Sometimes I just get ignored. But uh, I'm like, this is the way you reach out the first time. Like, I think there's better ways to do this. Let me know if you need some help. Like, something like that. Um, but yeah, wrong wrong thing to do. Like, was straight for for the call the act call the act. Yeah, I talk about this all the time. You know, DMs. Be careful in the DMs. Yeah. Don't DM sleazy. But people who listen, my audience is probably like, shut up. We know <laughs> because everyone who listens to this regularly knows. Don't do it. But yet, I still get people who do it on Instagram. A lot of people mm-hmm. are people who don't hear me. You know. It's always ironic, like they're the people who don't hear me talk about it regularly because they're not actually paying attention to me, but yet they feel the need to DM me. And it's like, no, read the room, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> read the room. So yeah, watch yourself. <laughs> Be careful. Oh, and I do, I do remember what I was going to practice. Speaking of organic right, list building, um, once shows start back up, your shows, the people that come to your shows, get them on your list, like figure out something you give away to them. So if you have that box of CDs of old um, albums from the first album, whatever it was, give that away for free for an email. Like, or uh, this is artist, what is his name? He opened up for Tommy Emmanuel. I'm blanking on his name, but he like kind of created an artwork out of his set list. And during his set, uh, says, hey, everyone pull up your 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 phone, put it in my website. Anthony Snape was his name. Uh, sign up for my email list, and then I will give away the set list. So he holds up the set list uh, to to one of you that subscribes. So it's almost kind of a, a contest uh, at the show. Because I've seen so many shows, as being from the promoter world, where the opening act for an artist might play in front of, you know, a thousand plus people and get a standing ovation. And then we'll come back to the market three, four months later to do a headline show in a club and nobody shows up. And it's because it's not because they didn't follow you on Instagram or whatever social media platform. It's because their algorithms, like if you post on Instagram, zero to 4% of people are going to see your posts for people that follow you. So if you get them on a list at your show, whether it's the email list thing or you do the community community thing, the SMS list building, where it's like, hey, text me, keep in touch. We'll let you know next time our, our show's coming up. So I have a phone number there, but build that list at the show. Uh, don't just expect people are going to follow you on social media and then find out when your next show's coming. This is such 
a good thing to just focus on for one second because I think a lot of people think, oh, it's, you know, they'll just follow me on socials. But then they're also simultaneously frustrated when they're like, my engagement's low. People aren't buying, people aren't joining my Patreon. People aren't buying my product. People aren't showing up. Why is that? Oh, it's a freaking algorithm. It's messing up my life. (laughs) Well, algorithm or not, like it's really not all about the algorithm. You have to be engaging your audience. However, yes. The algorithm is going to prevent people from seeing every single thing that you do. Right. Also, sometimes people just aren't on social media every yeah. time you're talking about something. Yeah. But if you send someone an email, it's going to go straight to their inbox. And, you know, except for the people who maybe have like thousands and thousands of unread <laughs> emails, <laughs> which we all know happens, uh, they, they might miss it. But they're going to have the option right then and there. Like, do I open and do I read or do I not? If they're on their your email list, they'll probably see you talking about it at least once if you're promoting your show multiple times, which of course you should be. Like we know that years ago, the rule in marketing was that people need to see something seven times to opt in. Yep. And I think that's probably higher now. Given yeah, with the volume of ads we're seeing. Volume and shorter attention spans that are mm. happening. Mm, so uh, you, you'd want to make sure that you're consistently talking about things because moral of the story is that people might not see what you're talking about even if people do see it, they need to see it multiple times to actually opt in. And that's why an email list is so important because it can get you to your ideal fan so much faster and with a lot more precision and detail than just posting it on social media. So just wanted to take a second to to (laughs) let people know why we're like stressing the importance of an email list in the first place. Yep, absolutely, yeah. Okay, so once people are on our list, how do we go about nurturing them there and then eventually converting them to maybe like join our Patreon or join our coaching program or whatever the offer is that we have? So, so again, it all depends on how how salesy you want to you want to be and how quickly you go for for the call to action, right? But uh, Cheryl B. Engelhardt, I don't know if you've had her on your podcast, but she is probably almost like the queen of like music email marketing. Um, she has a really really amazing course on it, but you. Basically, you want to start out with what she, what she would call. It. It's funny. I did a, a post on on Instagram um, a few months ago where I was like, the best the best uh, way to build your business, like just like a quick or build your email list, and it was like a couple quick tips. And she put, commented on my post. She's like, and I had like nurture sequence on there. And she said, well, first you want the welcome sequence. Then comes the <laughs> sequence. Like, oh, okay. So, the, the welcome sequence is a is a string of anywhere from three. Let's call it six emails. Right. It all depends how how long I guess you want to build up until you have that call to action. And it almost tells a story in a way. It's not like you're necessarily like your music journey and your entire music story, but you want some kind of music that you, I mean, some kind of story you want to tell people that is relevant to whatever they just signed up for. Um, so now they're going to get a few more emails that are relevant to that topic, gives them more value, more of an inside look, maybe another few free pieces of content here and there or here's my most popular music video or here's my most popular song uh here's my most requested song when i play live just to kind of show people what other fans also like about you right and then towards the end at the last email which is the fourth fifth or sixth email then comes your call to action to join the patreon page if you want more so all the stuff that you just got for free that i sent you if you want a more exclusive look uh behind the scenes or more content or more access by doing monthly like Q and A's or monthly like workshops, whatever it is, uh, or even weekly, how, depending on how much content you want to create and how engaged you want to be with your audience. That's when the, the call to action comes. And you can also 
what some people like doing is what's called a super signature. So let's say you have a six email sequence and your call to action is not until the sixth email. Sometimes there's someone that's ready to sign up right out of the first email. So in your signature, you want to have basically your call, kind of a softer call to action in the signature. Like, hey, here's my Patreon page or whatever it is. Get, get signed up, get more exclusive content. And then if you're using that model, the only thing I say is whatever email provider you're using. So MailChimp makes it really easy. Create lists, right? Of people that are already on your Patreon page and people that are not because they've already signed up to your Patreon or whatever your call to action is, whatever, they already signed up for your course or whatever. They don't need to see the call to action anymore. So take your super signature out for, for of that list of uh, email subscribers. That's a really good tip. And what I like to use, I'm not sure if it integrates with Patreon, but I would imagine it does. But I use Zapier Zapier. or Zapier, whatever, however you say it, (laughs) to (laughs) integrate things. So I, if somebody, I host my stuff on Kajabi, so I know I can do it with Kajabi. But like if somebody joins my course on in Kajabi, it's going to send a zap to MailChimp and it's going to tag them as like so i i create groups and i use mailchimp as well so i create groups and then i have a group for every one of my programs so when they subscribe or when they join a program of mine it zaps it to mailchimp and it says okay i'm gonna add you to this group and Mm. then when you segment your emails which it sounds like you're saying so like if you're sending a nurture sequence or if you're sending any emails um and especially if you're sending emails to promote a specific program or your patreon you can segment it so it's people who are not in the group Patreon Mm -hmm. so that they don't get redundant emails or they're not fed a sequence for a program that they've literally (laughs) already joined. Because you definitely don't want that. Otherwise, you run the risk of people unsubscribing or just getting annoyed. Yeah. So Zapier, does it almost automatically for you? Yeah. So you just set it up within the website platform. So you go in and you you have to integrate everything, you know, like Mm -hmm. sign into your Kajabi or Patreon, which hopefully they have. And then um, you'll create like the trigger. So it's like when someone joins this offer. So with Kajabi, you can be like when somebody joins this payment link or this offer, then, and then you set up like integrate MailChimp, then it tags them with this tag. And then um, you can have like five zaps that go for mm-hmm. free. So, you know, especially if like Patreon's your only offer, it doesn't cost you anything to integrate right. that and have it go automatically. So you don't even have to worry about doing it uh, yourself. <laughs> Just make That's sure cool. that ev- everything's operating okay and check in every once in a while. But it'll mm-hmm. actually, I think, send you an email too, being like, we did like seven zaps seven people signed up for your patreon and we added them to the thing so that's good that's so cool there's so many cool platforms and apps they're just automate your life for you i, I do it all yeah. manually on on mailchimp like okay this person just signed up for patreon let's go to my mailchimp account do it manually that's, that's cool i'll have to check that out yeah definitely check it out it does make your life so much easier when you don't have to worry about it especially you know the goal is to be building up volume so that so many people are joining you can't even keep track <laughs> which might not always be the case but like yeah you definitely want to uh make your life as easy as possible so there's a tip i'll put it in the show notes if anybody wants to check it. it out um but okay great so i think that's such a good tip i know i have like a very short welcome sequence where i include the welcome email that's just sort of like here's the deal here's what you're gonna get here's your freebie um and then i have I like to include one that's a little bit about my story as well. Mm. And I actually received one of these in a welcome sequence once that I really thought was cool. So that's why I included it in mine. And then I I think it's pretty simple. I don't even know if there's anything else. But then moving on to that nurture sequence where you're really like providing a lot of value and then pitching. And that's something I want to stress. It's Gary Vee, I think, who says jab, 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 right hook, which basically means like, 
provide value, provide value, provide value, Call back. and then pitch. <laughs> exactly. That's the key there. You don't want to come out of the gates too soon. And, and if someone wants to see a really good example of a, a welcome sequence, uh, if anybody has in the, in the fitness space, Sean Stevenson, um, it's funny because he's one of the ones I almost wanted to give. That's before I even knew what welcome sequences are. And I wanted to give him money. I emailed back. I'm like, all these emails have been so amazing. Like, what what can I do? Is there anything I can buy? And then all of a sudden, the call to action email started coming. Like, oh, I got suckered in. But <laughs> the, the way he, he you, does You see it, it in action. You're like, I'm being trained. Like, I'm <laughs> ready to go. Like, <laughs> he has me right where he wants me. But, but every email of that welcome sequence was like almost like it was telling a story and then it was a cliffhanger at each one. And it's like, all right, next next email, I'm going to tell you about this. But it's like going through health stuff and it was like telling you and then you actually have to like um, you know, select male, female, like your age range and everything. And then you actually get a customized email based on whatever you select. So I'm sure he probably has a few different welcome sequences. So it's like a whole nother level. But yeah, each email was just kind of giving some kind of health tips. And it's like most males struggle with this and kind of goes into what they struggle with. And there's a few things you can do. We'll talk about that in the next email. I'm like, no, what can I do? Yeah. <laughs> Builds that anticipation. I, I love that one. That's good. That's good. So, and, and something that I hear from artists a lot is like, I don't teach, I don't share on anything, you know, like I'm not a health coach. So what am I going to provide value on? But I really think that even if you're not a coach, you you have value that you can share. And you can, number one, you could tell a story about this one thing that happened at the gig and I'll tell you the rest in the next oh, email, right? Just stories a funny, from the road. Like humor or, or entertainment, like that is value. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I... And I also think at the same time, going back, you know, you said you were giving the example of mental health. Like, let's say that you are a mental health advocate and you write about it and maybe even have that podcast about it. And you're a musician. Like, that's what you do. But you, you know, this is really important to you. You can also tell a story about that. And, and you can even give your three tips that you learn to mm -hmm. overcome your anxiety or whatever it is. So you don't have to be a coach or a teacher to be able to provide value in that type of way for people. Exactly. Like, you don't have to literally be like, oh. I'm not an artist now. I guess now I have to start fully coaching people in order to provide value in <laughs> right. that way. You 100% can. So I, I love giving that reframe just because I think it's easy to stay in a box of like, but I'm just an artist and I just play music and I don't do anything else. And if you're thinking that way, number one, it's not true. But number two, you're holding yourself back and kind of self-sabotaging. Yeah, and the other stuff that artists do, I mean, it matters, right? People want to connect to a real person. And sometimes they don't want to sign up for a coach because they know, they know they're going to be, um, this mean, an attempt to sell them something, a course, a book, or whatever. So if it's their favorite artist and they just see how they live through their social media, so again, you're sharing stuff from your topic wheel or so the topic wheel and the personality buckets, that stuff works when you're posting on social media, right? So um Angela Master Giacomo. I don't know if she's been on your podcast, but uh, yeah, she, she's the best. Yeah, she gave this really cool tip of seven. I used, I used to have the 80 20 rule. So 80% of your content is personal and value, and then 20% is, is promotional. Even I always thought that was a little bit too much. Um, and, and promotional, I meant like also sharing other people's stuff, but she kind of broke it down to well, let's do 70, 20, 10. So 70% is personal, 20 is sharing other people's stuff, and then 10% is promotional. I was like, I like that actually better than what I was doing, but um. When you, when you know what your five or six things are that are about your personality, you're consistently posting about that and you're diligent about that stuff and it's really legit your lifestyle and it's authentic to you. Like 
someone may want to hear health tips from you because they know you're not going to sell them a course or an ebook. They, so they might rather hear from you because you lead by example. And that's, um, yeah, I feel like that's such a good tip that, that you gave. Yeah, that's super interesting about the percentages. I've actually never heard it talked about that way before. And my first instinct was to disagree because, <laughs> but, I, but I don't think I actually disagree. I just think that <laughs> that 80 or 70% chunk where you say, oh, it's it's kind of like personal and value. I get, I feel like there's a very fine line mm -hmm. about being very careful to make sure that it's not too personal. And I actually put a big importance on personal connection points. Like I think you wanna make sure that you know the things that people are gonna connect with you on. Some of those things might end up being brand pillars. Like if you write about mental health, mental health is a brand pillar and it's a personal connection point because if other people struggle with that, they're gonna relate with you and, and whatnot. Um, for me, mental health is a personal connection point, but I don't really teach on it uh, anymore. Mm. I used to, but not anymore. So it's more of just a personal connection point that I can connect with people on. But mm. I don't, for for artists especially, I feel like there are so many um, where the Instagram or the social media come across as just personal or like half professional. Yeah, yeah. And right, right. like lazy professional. And so I think when you're doing too much personal content, you run the risk of like decreasing your authority or just coming across like not as a professional musician. So sure. make sure that you're you're being value heavy and you're sprinkling in the personal content either to tie it together, to use as metaphors, to use in the story, or I like to use it a lot just like in the stories, like in the story mm -hmm. feature, um, sure. more as just like a overarching like thing that kind of ties the value together and, and allows people to connect with me, but isn't really necessarily leading the platform. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah sure. And I completely agree. Unless it's like something that's a core pillar, right? So if exercise is a core pillar and you actually are working out every single day. Yeah, 100%. That's, a, that's something you're, you can share about. And I think one of those pillars should definitely still be the music. I mean, it should be playing music, like playing whatever, if it's originals or covers, like doing totally. a little clips of music or even clips from behind the scenes, like you're in the studio, you're recording, you're at your house, you're recording. Um, so the behind the scenes stuff is definitely a pillar also. Um, just like the example I use with The Rock, we know he's an actor and he has right. a lot of behind the scenes photos um, from, from, from set or with right. other actors. So that's like a core pillar of his. And then also then the entrepreneur, I mean, it's easy, almost easy for him. like. Um, that's probably why he has so many followers on Instagram. <laughs> is he the most followed? But if you if you look at his Instagram, it's literally almost like you can put it all into pillars or buckets or uh, yeah. into, into a topic wheel. I love that. Okay, cool. So once people are on our list, maybe they've now joined our program or our offer. What do we do? Does it stop from there? Is there something we wanna <laughs> <laughs> we wanna take them through after that point? You know, obviously like you're probably end up branching out so you don't just have one offer, but you'll have like a show or, or another thing that you can introduce. But even still, let's say that they joined the one thing you have to offer now. Do we just leave them high and dry? Do we keep nurturing? What comes next? <laughs> so once they sign up to a Patreon or some kind of subscription, I've seen artists that are, are doing other like subscription platforms now as well. They're like, that are integrated within their websites. They're constantly on the website. Um, but whatever platform you use, um, of course, there's things that come with the subscription. So, uh, and depends on how many different levels you have, right? Some, I, I know, what was it, Ben Folds, he only has one level. It's like, I think a five or $10 level. It's like, uh, what is it, the one level, whatever he has, it's whatever it's called. Um, so some artists don't don't really want to get into the the multiple level subscription thing. Um, and they're, they're more comfortable with just one because they don't want to ask their fans for $20 a month or $30 a month. And that's totally fine because 
I always say like there's a like Ben Foles has like a few thousand subscribers at 10 bucks a month. And that's tens of thousands of dollars a month that he's getting just from that. So like one level works. Like you don't have to be uh, intimidated by having multiple levels. But yeah. when you do look at other Patreon pages, look at what other artists that are successful are, are doing. Uh, and I'm happy to send you a list. I'm sure you have a list too, because I know you focus on that stuff. But I, I have a list of samples I always send to people and just look at what they're offering, right? So somebody offers could be um, weekly video. So one artist that, that I follow, he has a weekly cover that he does, but it's like artists that have inspired him. And then sometimes he'll do monthly live sessions. And then the live session will be themed. That'd be maybe songs from a specific artist or songs from a specific era. Or uh, he, he used to, before COVID, he used to do open mics all the time where he would just test songs. So some of his content are also just demos. And these are demos that are not, not even recorded yet. It's just him testing songs and looking at feedback. So the audience is almost like literally able to engage uh, with him when the songwriting process or the selection process for uh, the next uh, next album. Uh, Don Byer does a lot of cool stuff. She does like behind the scenes looks of like what a writing session is like. So it's literally literally her like writing a song and you get the behind the scenes look of that. Um, you get behind the scenes looks of the recording process. Um, you can do uh, monthly like meetups through Zoom, um, your Patreon page. Um, some people do uh, songs inspired by fans. I think Don Byer is doing that right now where she is taking stories from fans and writing songs about them. These are all fans are subscribed, part of her fan club. And she hears these stories through engaging with people by having either them engage with her live streams or having them, I don't know what she, exactly what she does because I'm not subscribed to her thing, but through her Zoom weekly uh, meetups and the stories she hears from there. So she's now writing an album that's inspired uh, from the fans. Um, Circus Survive has a back catalog of past live performances, a uh, whole bunch of demos, behind the scenes videos and photos that they've taken throughout their career. So you have like a giant library of, of content that uh, some of these group uh, artists offer. And then some will do like an exclusive Discord channel. So like once you join the the Patreon, now you get access to the, the Discord channel or people do private Facebook groups where now the conversation continues around that, that band or that artist where you really focus on building now a community, right? So what one cool thing I've heard one time, I, I forget what, which I think was Lewis Howes or someone like that, but where they were talking about people came to their annual conference and they weren't really there to see Lewis Howes or whoever it was. I don't know. It's one of those, um, those marketers, but they weren't really there to see that marketer because they hear him all the time on the podcast. And on yeah. YouTube. They were there to connect with others in the community. So that's something right. cool you now create. Now fans are coming to shows. Like let's say, you, you know, Katie and I were a fan of an artist and we're both happen to be in New York and the artist is playing there. Now we're going to see each other and to hang out yeah. and enjoy our favorite artists together. So I think once you're there, you're focusing on building the community and not just around your music, but also within the people that are part of the community. That is so good. And then you really build up people who become those super fans and support you in everything that you do and, and want to be around everything that you do because they just not only like you, but they also like the environment that you create and the potential mm -hmm. for connecting with others within that. So yep. I love that as a, such a good note to end on. Chris, thank you so much. This has been incredibly valuable. I, uh, I want to end by, by actually like kind of bringing it back to the beginning. If there's anyone listening right now who is feeling a little bit insecure about social media or is still getting in their flow when it comes to con 
creating content regularly and maybe feels inspired or potentially feels a little bit of pressure after listening to this to like get their email list and their funnel and get all those things set up, but they're still not where they want to be, you know, maybe on Instagram or whatever other platform. What advice would you give for uh, what order they should take to execute on these things and and when to know when they're ready to take on something else? So take two weekends, one weekend to research and study, um, study artists that are on Patreon, study artists that are doing similar things to what we talked about. Take a next weekend to structure and build your business kind of model and reverse engineer it, right? So start an ideal scenario. What does my Patreon page look like? Now, what does my nurture campaign my or my email campaign need to look like to be cohesive with the Patreon page. And now what do I need to post on social media? And then start with the smallest things. Start on social media and just start creating organic content, start engaging with people and just start there. And even if if it takes, I mean, ideally you want to, I, I love the ready, fire, aim method. So where you just go and you find fine tune as you're going. Yeah. But I know not everybody is, is, uh, is, is that I guess courageous. Um, <laughs> so just get started, get it started the slowest, the smallest thing engage with people consistently, try to create recurring content. And then if that's what you do for the next few months, that's okay. Get super comfortable with that, but keep your end goal in mind. Um, keep your goal in mind that you want people to your on your lists. You want people to join your subscription platform, whether it's Patreon or something else. Um, so always keep that end goal in mind that you're building towards towards that, but just start, start small, just engage with people on social media, start, start there. I love it. Okay. Thank you so, so much. Tell us where we can keep up with you, connect with you and continue to learn from you. Yeah. Uh, making it Chris G.com. That's my, that's my hub. That's where everything is. That's where you find my podcast and my social media channels and, and all that. And then one thing I always like adding, it's kind of what, what I told you before we start recording. I, I have Tourette's and anybody have heard like a nasally or throaty sound that I've made the entire time. That is my Tourette's. And if there's anyone out there that has Tourette's, um, that's kind of like my way of giving giving back to the world or one of my many ways. Uh, reach out to me because the, the medication they prescribe for, for Tourette's and this is not medical advice is, is pretty pretty dangerous and intense. And I've done a lot of research on it. And if someone has a, a, ne- a nephew, a niece, a sibling, um, someone, and you was trying to find some help, uh, feel free to reach out. And I'm happy to, uh, to talk to, to people and be a mentor to someone. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Chris, for coming on today. And we'll have to have you back sometime soon. Let's do it. Yeah, thanks so much for, for having me. It was really fun uh, getting to talk to you again. Thank you so much for listening to the Out To Be podcast. If you like this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, rate and review it on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. That really helps us spread the message and get this podcast out to even more women in music. For more information on coaching services, head to katiezacardi.com. See you next week.